Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11, an interview with Doug Sweeney about the future of theological training. Welcome back to the Hammer and Quill. It's been a little while, but I'm joined here in the global, worldwide, all around the world, headquarters of the Bonhoeffer House. What does that even mean? All around the world? Like that it's... It's global? Yeah. Well, we've got Craig and Zoe in Canada. <laughs> That's true. Yep. Hi, Craig and Zoe. That's we, all it means. We are okay. international. That yeah. is true. We are an international We had to use our passport to go visit them. So, AKA, all around the world. That's we right. are an international global. organization. That's right. We are the Bonhoeffer House. That's getting why. big. Getting That's big. why we call him the global director. That's why. <laughs> That's why. That's why. I'm the global director. Well, it's been a little while. And we're closing out season two here on this episode. And so uh, we're really excited. Friendos, mm. not fans. We don't have fans, but we have friendos. Uh, we're really excited to uh, close this season and excited about what's coming up. And really think we've got a great episode here with Doug Sweeney, the Dean of Beeson Divinity School. But before we get into that episode, let's do our 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 usual, Holly. Yeah, instead of our usual. Okay, I, let's, let's do something else. <laughs> I personally sent two of my children off to school last week. Mm. The air in the New River Valley just feels a little it's crisp. bit. crisp. Yeah. I bought um, Did new... you get a pumpkin spice latte yet? <laughs> no. You didn't get a PSL? Gross, no. I did buy a new um, multi-surface pr- spray that's acorn spice flavored. That's scented. when you know. Not flavored. <laughs> flavored feels gross. Are you eating? <laughs> Do you Guys. taste them before you leave the store? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> That's good. Get Philip on here and teach you how to taste that. Yeah. Uh, Philip Martin. What what episode was that? We'll find that. Oh, when yeah. we had uh, Philip talk it, about tasting coffee next. and developing your your palate. Yeah. That's uh, how I for feel cleaning about cleaning sprays. For, yeah. for multi-surface <laughs> cleaning sprays. My house just smells <laughs> like fall, and so I wanted to ask you guys. Looking as we finish out this season, looking forward to the next, you know actual earth season <laughs> earth season which would be the fall what are you looking forward to oh so it's like a favorite thing but favorite thing about the future, future. Fall edition. yeah fall edition michael if you got you it yours? you go no i, I know, gotta think about i know it. mine yeah do it um so emily emily got me tickets oh. to a chicago bears oh, football yeah, game it's coming up yeah in late september so just just Emily and I are going to Chicago wow. on vacation. So I'm, I think I'm, I don't know which one I'm more excited for. Just like going with, with just Emily on vacation. You should say that. Or, or going, going to the bears, going with just what just Emily to see the bears. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm who like so gonna, excited. Who are they going to lose to? Well, they're playing the Texans. Ah, that might be a win. So we chose. There we go. That was a <laughs> good choice. We chose that game intentionally. Yeah. Um, the Texans have know. a quarterback. Uh, what's his name? It's like Mills. Davis Mills. Davis. Davis Mills. It feels like you guys should be able to beat a guy named Davis Mills. I hope so. Yeah. Two, two you know, bottom feeding teams just battling it out. <laughs> go Bears. Go Bears. That's really fun. That's really fun. I um, cannot say that the thing, my favorite thing about the fall has anything to do with my favorite professional football team because okay. I am just strapped in and buckled up and ready for another 7-10 and 10 season. Yeah. And, uh, and that can't be a favorite thing for me. So my yeah. favorite thing also involves traveling, though. I'm, I'm really excited. Oh, 
Oh, I got a couple. One's not fall, but my birthday is next week. Oh. So, um, we totally knew that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's not, it's too, it's, yeah. No. So, um, <laughs> writing a note down now. <laughs> it might be your birthday when this podcast comes It may out. be. It may be. So, so um, wish, wish Jesse happy birthday. So, Jenny has organized it so that we're going out for dinner and like a whole day with no kids. And, uh, so, th- so I'm looking forward to that. But that's not the fall because my birthday is still in the summer. Mm-hmm. It Holly, is the future. So you got to though. figure out the, uh, the date. Um, but I got a couple other trips that I'm looking forward to. In September, we're going to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary to host a hybrid uh, for the Bonhoeffer House that happens to be the same uh, the same weekend as a Nine Marks conference. So I'm mm-hmm. all signed up for this Nine Marks conference, uh, Nine Marks at Southeastern, and we'll be hosting the hybrid at the same time. So yep. I'll be kind of... It's actually the same weekend you're in Chicago. I'll be in Chicago. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking forward to that, hopping back and forth. Uh I've got a trip to Miami. Wow. Wow. For a SEND network. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's North American Mission Board. SEND network church plants are gathering in October. That feels like Miami's the spot for that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. They, that's how they get you to plant the church with them. We do our we do our conferences in Miami. Just yeah. unexpected. In October. You know? And uh, so I'm excited about that and, and going with a few uh, local church pastor guy friends around here that are partnering with the house and then and then and then the harbor network leader summit is always so amazing Mm -hmm. and that's october 11th through 13th that's right and so so you know what i'm looking forward to there and in the future we'll probably have like a booth set up there you guys i'll probably drag you guys along and we'll i'm coming yeah, you. I always you. Yeah, but you. Yeah, you don't have to get dragged along. But when we have to work it, you'll get dragged along because I love not working it. Mm. I love to just go. So I'm looking forward to those things. That sounds awesome. What that about you, great. Holly? Um, Besides tasting <laughs> fall cleaning sprays, <laughs> this summer in our house is so fun and free and no schedules, and that makes me crazy. I am, I just really thrive on a good routine and a good mm. system. And so I feel like the fall is the return of a solid planner, you know, and mm. having uh, weekly rhythms, daily rhythms. It's so good. So um, I have like some books on deck that I'm really excited about. I'm reading a book called Habits of the Household by Justin. Do you guys know this book? Justin Whitmill Early. I think what I'm probably saying. I think you're getting it wrong, but I think you're in the right ballpark. (laughs) The title's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know him. Man, I'm so excited about it. I'm loving it so far already. Um, Just thinking of like liturgies in our house. And uh, about a month ago was our son's 10th birthday. And we did a movie in the backyard at the farm. We put up a big outdoor screen and set up hay bales. What did you guys watch, babe? We we actually watched (laughs) the movie called... No, the bad guys. And this Uh, sweet little girl walked up to the party and she was like, what movie are we watching? And I was like, it's called The Bad Guys. And she's like, my mom was not going to let me watch that movie. (laughs) And I was like, well, it's called The Bad Guys, but it's actually about good guys. And it's, I think it's okay. And she's like, I think I need to sit inside. I was like, um, you're not sitting inside my house. (laughs) You may sit and turn your back or something, but this is an outdoor birthday party. Um, so, so you made this little girl watch watch a movie that her mom didn't want her to watch. Her mom knew that that was a movie and she dropped her off. So it's not my job. It's PG. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's cute. It's a good movie. It's sweet. It's fun. I, mean, I watched it's it. Fine. I've yeah. not watched it. I would yet, make I would make my friends' kids watch it <laughs> yeah, for sure. It. No, you're Stare gonna sit here it. and you're gonna watch this <laughs> and you're gonna like it. <laughs> I don't care what your mom says, kid. <laughs> Think I'm gonna let you roam around my house? <laughs> Absolutely not. Get outside. Get out here and watch uh, the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> how was but, how was the party? Well, oh, she made me watch the move, the bad movie. You told me not so to watch, terrifying, mom. Mom. No, but I was talking to a friend about it this weekend and talking about having another movie night this fall. But Ooh. instead of watching the bad guys, I think I said this like a year ago on the podcast, but I read the Anne of Green Gables books mm-hmm. and has still not watched the movies. And so we were like, we need to have a movie night for mm. that, which just feels like so on brand for me. Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. Outside. 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 That's on not really on brand. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, the great indoors yeah. is more your thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't grow up reading those books or watch or that book. Yeah. It's a series. Those books yep. Good job. or watching or watching. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. I think it has to do with a girl named Anne. It sure does. With an <laughs> E. Anne with an E. Yeah. You would know that if you read them. It's a big deal. Anne with an E. Mm-hmm. Anne with an E. Well, we've got some things to look forward to. We got be some, a good yeah, fall. Yeah. Yeah. And I gotta got to be careful sending my, my daughter over to <laughs> Holly's house. Honestly, I probably will invite Evie to the Anne movie party. Uh. All right, friendos, we're excited for this episode, excited for you joining us as we interview. I I had an opportunity to have a Zoom interview with Doug Sweeney earlier this summer, and Doug is the the Dean of Beeson Divinity, uh, which is at Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. And so uh, enjoy this interview, and we'll see you on the other side. Well, I'm so thankful to have Dr. Doug Sweeney here on the Hammer and Quill. Uh, And here, I mean virtually here. We're joining each other on Zoom where he is in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Is that right? That's right. And and did I get it right? Is it Birmingham or is it Birmingham? Birmingham is the way we say it. So I did not get it right. But uh, so, you know, I did my best in Alabama. And uh, just excited to talk about the future of theological training as we are in this mini-series on the Hammer and Quill. So welcome, Dr. Sweeney. And if you wouldn't mind taking uh, our first kind of question would just be to introduce yourself. Talk about your work and experience in theological training and uh, maybe how you ended up at Beeson. Sure. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Uh, My name is Doug Sweeney. Uh, After finishing college, Wheaton College. I went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and then uh, did a PhD in the history of Christian thought at Vanderbilt University. Uh, When I began college, I was an economics major headed to law school. And in the middle of college, I took some classes uh, from a man who became a really important figure in my life uh, named Mark Knoll in the history of Christianity. And they were life-changing. God used them to deepen my faith Uh, turned on all kinds of light bulbs for me with respect to Christian worldview issues. And I had no idea what I was going to do with my history major, but I knew uh, I wanted to keep studying those things. So I did. And I studied them through seminary. And during my PhD program in Vanderbilt, I I began to think that maybe the Lord wanted me to move into theological education. Uh, Although when I was done, uh, the first regular full-time job I took was at Yale, uh, where I worked on the 
Jonathan Edwards project and became sort of a full-time Jonathan Edwards manuscript scholar. A um, couple of years into that, my seminary Trinity called, and uh, I went and served there as a professor for 22 years. And by the end of that time, I was very comfortably ensconced and loving everything I was doing. I had some wonderful students, uh, was not looking to leave, but uh, God in his providence kind of uh, rattled my cage a little bit and got me to pay attention to his leading in my life. And he led me here to Birmingham to serve as the second dean of Beeson, uh, succeeding my friend Timothy George, who's still on our faculty. That's exciting, and uh, and and I have benefited from your work at in the Yale Edwards Center and some of my um, even in just in my pastoral life. Now, you've got a little bit of a connection with Bonhoeffer as well, um, which may interest some of our listeners, just because, well, we are the Bonhoeffer House, um, although we're a bunch of Baptists, so. Um, there's a little bit of a disconnect there, but you know, when we started the Bonhoeffer House, it was really around this idea that um, we wanted our theological training to look uh, a little bit like what Bonhoeffer did with his underground seminary, and even even beyond that, what he did with his uh, with the collective pastorates when when the seminary was um, disrupted uh, and shut down, and you know, distributing uh, guys among pastors who would mentor them and and where they could apprentice, and so. Um, you know, I, I've noticed maybe if you don't mind mentioning a little bit about uh, you're writing a series of maybe articles right now on Bonhoeffer and costly discipleship. Is that right? Yeah, I'm doing a monthly column for the Gospel Coalition. Uh, I've referred to Bonhoeffer in the column. The column's not really about Bonhoeffer, it's about costly discipleship, but of course, it's inspired uh, by Bonhoeffer on the cost of discipleship. And um, I am a Lutheran like Bonhoeffer was. And uh, so I'm a big fan of his in a lot of ways, uh, not least because I think that theological education is best done uh, in person, in community, mm. uh, in a way that involves serious formation uh, and discipleship. And that's something that uh, at Finkenwald and Bonhoeffer took very seriously. And he's something of a role model for us here at Beeson Divinity School as we talk about life together here in our seminary. That's really exciting, and I'll put a link in the show notes to those, to those articles, and maybe we'll circle back around. I'd love to hear a little bit more about. Um, I know you guys do a Fingenwald Day or Week at Beeson, and so, so here before we're done, I'd love to to come back around to that. Um, so, it, you know, why would you say theological training is important, and who who should pursue it? Who should pursue, uh, say, formal theological training? Well, everybody should pursue theological training. Uh, because when it's done well, it's done in a way that enhances our discipleship, and we're all called, uh, those of us who've been called by the Lord to be his disciples, we're, we're called to lives of discipleship, lives of lifelong learning. Discipleship really is about, you know, learning from our teacher, Jesus. Uh, even the, the Greek word for discipleship in the New Testament is a word that refers to learning, uh, studying from a master or a teacher, uh, his way of life, uh, his doctrine, trying to become more like him. Uh, and that's what theological education is all about. It's about uh, enhancing people's discipleship, helping people to become more like Jesus, helping people to become more faithful uh, in their pursuit of Jesus and the way they take up their crosses every day and follow him. Uh, not everybody needs to engage in formal uh, theological education, of course, but I wouldn't want to overdo 
the differences between formal and informal theological education. Uh, my message to people would be do as much of it as you can. Um, we need to know the Lord that we profess to love and serve, and we get to know him in part, in large part, uh, by prayer and study, um, study of theology, which is the study of God himself, and study of the Bible, uh, which is the main way in which God has revealed himself to us, and then study of the world around us as well, uh, in which God is revealed there. Um, yeah, so I, I want everybody to do it. That's excellent. Yeah, we uh, I, we totally agree within the Bonhoeffer House. You know, when we think about uh, the work that we're doing, forming leaders, future leaders in and for the church, our hope is that um, what that really means is that each of our congregations will be theological congregations where, where uh, our leaders who are now serving in congregations are feeding, feeding people and equipping people and helping people to think theologically about well, really about life, you know, and so, uh, so yeah, so really even the, the, the division between formal and informal, hopefully, um, hopefully really just has to do with, you know, whether you're paying for education and not about whether or not you're getting it uh, and getting that training. You know, when you look ahead as the dean at, uh, at Beeson, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing training institutions? Um, you know, clearly, there we're in a kind of, I don't know if crisis, crisis might not be the right word, but there's, there are some significant challenges. Um, enrollment is maybe not not booming in theological training centers. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, from what I've read, it, some places it's not. Um, and of course, things are moving online, and there's just challenges. And so, I'd love to know uh, what do you think some of those biggest challenges are, and how that's changed in your career. Well, there are a lot of challenges, of course. I, I would say the biggest challenge these days. Uh, is that fewer and fewer churches seem to care very much about whether their pastors um, have much theological education. Mm. Uh, more and more churches um, want somebody who's good on stage and relatable uh, and will care for them. And uh, the degree to which the pastor knows the Lord well, knows the Bible well, knows theology well is uh, secondary or, or tertiary for more and more churches these days. Um, so it shouldn't surprise us, I guess, uh, that um, our churches are fractured and divided, and they're full of people whose sense of Christian identity uh, seems to have more to do with um, the culture wars and politics and various forms of tribalism than with following Jesus and uh, proclaiming and witnessing to the gospel uh, and studying the Bible. So um, uh, you, you're right. Uh, these aren't the the glory days of theological education. Beeson Divinity School and, and lots of others are doing fine, um, but the Association of Theological Schools, which is the accrediting body for all good uh, seminaries and divinity schools in North America, uh, has a lot of uh, quantitative uh, information and analysis, and they, they chart uh, a steady decline in MDiv or Master of Divinity, that's the main pastoral degree, MDiv enrollments, since the year 2006. We, um, I, I think digital technology is um, a, a blessing for us in the life of the church today, uh, but it also uh, presents new challenges. Um, most seminaries are now, partly because they're so desperate uh, for money and, and people in the door, uh, they're making it as easy and cheap as possible 
uh, to give people kind of letters behind their names that they can take into churches and use for employment. And um, I, I don't think these things are helping the cause of Christ and, and helping the, the healthiness of churches. Mm. Yes, I, so I'm with you. You know, I think about um, the one seminary that I know of that is just really, really booming online. I have friends that, te that teach, and I'm putting square scare quotes around that, uh, that teach the online classes, which really means someone somewhere got paid a little bit of money to record a lecture, and then someone else somewhere else just grades papers and makes just a tiny bit of money. And then they, and then they, then there's like a hundred people in the class, uh, from all over the place. And, and that's because of the, the very real pressures to, you know, keep the institution, you pay the professors that are there, keep the institution going. It's certainly a challenge. And I agree with you, the blessing, like right now, we're able to have this conversation because of digital technology. So, um, that's why, yeah, I think it's a challenge as you look ahead, and you think about in the near future, let's put it both ways. What do you anticipate? Clearly, maybe some of the challenges will just keep getting more challenging. Um, so future challenges, but also maybe uh, exciting opportunities um, uh, that the digital age that we're in offers. Yeah, well, clearly the technology does help in a lot of ways. And um our efforts to continue instruction in the midst of the COVID epidemic is, is clear evidence of that. Uh, there are times and places where it's just impossible or nearly impossible or sometimes dangerous to get everybody together physically in the same room. And so it's nice to be able to keep uh, talking and ministering and teaching and learning uh, online, even when we can't be together in person. Uh, the challenge related to that is we've all gotten so comfortable doing everything online, even um, even going to church online, uh, that we're losing our appreciation for life together. Um, and there are too many people in society at large, in the church at large, who are misleading us. They're, they're telling us that this is just as good as being together uh, for corporate worship or being together for spiritual formation or being together. Uh, to learn discipleship and to do life together. I don't think you really can do life together in a, a merely virtual mode. I don't think uh, Christian fellowship, celebration of the Lord's Supper, even the, the preaching and hearing of sermons and Bible lessons uh, is meant uh, mostly, ideally, uh, for uh, online participation. Uh, I think the body of Christ is supposed to be together. Um, so it's a, it's a blessing. Technology is a blessing because it enables us to do lots of things. Even moving forward, we'll use more technology. We'll have a pretty steady, reliable way to provide for students who get sick or professors who get sick and need to participate and can't be physically in the room. I just worry uh, that it's making us kind of lazy. And frankly, um, I don't think um, online education is a good way to prepare for pastoral ministry. Pastoral ministry is ministry with people. It's incarnational. It's, it's personal and interpersonal and small group and large group. Pastors need to learn how to minister uh, among people in a corporeal, bodily, uh, incarnational way. And I think um, fewer and fewer of us uh, these days are comfortable with that sort of thing. Uh, we've been kind of coddled into being too comfortable doing things in a merely virtual, merely digital way. 
I was nodding along there. That's, I mean, I was ready to give an amen. You know, if I, if I did Twitter, I would tweet some of that. Um, you know, the, the, uh, people will, so I've been in some arguments with people, um, which is not a good thing necessarily, but about whether or not you can do digital church, does that really count? And, um, you know, there's often the, the, it's brought up like, well, what about when someone's really sick or infirm or they can't leave their house? And it's like, well, yes, of course. So I like what you said there about merely, um, you know, that uh, it's not meant to be merely online or merely digital, uh, but we do want to be, be thankful for the blessing of when there's a student who's sick or professor who's sick, or, you know, um, that you have the opportunity to take excellent, uh, excellent classes and make them available in places that you maybe couldn't go um, because their countries are closed or just because of, you know, it's just much more difficult to travel and take a class somewhere. Uh, so that aim into that. Now, when you think about Beeson and the kind of core commitments and identities and principles of Beeson and maybe other institutions, um, how, how do you anticipate main, maintaining commitments uh, while adapting? You know, so um, thinking about how to, how to be more adaptable in our time, if that's even a goal, while maintaining this is who we are. This is, if you come to Beeson, this is what you're getting. This is what, what's so important to us. Well, Beeson uh, offers rigorous, classical, in-person, in-community uh, theological education. So um, that's who we are. That's who we want to continue to be. Uh, that's the way in which we think it's best to train pastors. Uh, we think training pastors in a merely virtual mode is not as good. We're committed to telling the truth about that and not hurting people and hurting churches by misleading them uh, into thinking otherwise. Uh, but of course, at the same time, uh, we're, we're good at technology now, too. <laughs> so we do some things from time to time in a hybrid mode. Uh, we offer some pretty popular classes here for lay people in the region. Uh, we call it our lay academy. Hmm. And we got used to offering those in a hybrid mode, both in person and online uh, during the COVID epidemic. And we're going to continue to offer those in a hybrid way. We've got people in Canada taking them. And, you know, hmm. that's great. I don't think it's as good as being here in person, but it's better than not taking them at all. Yeah. And we want to be sensitive to that. And we want to continue to use technology uh, to share with people some of the best preaching and teaching that's done in person here. And we do that. We've got thousands uh, of video recordings of our sermons and lectures, and we share them broadly with people. So all those things are wonderful, and we'll keep adapting as the technology continues to improve, and we will use it. We just won't be slaves to it. You know, we don't want to uh, become a, a, a media school. Uh, we want to be a life together school. Mm. Yes. Amen. I've uh, I have benefited from some of those videos. I've I've watched some Robert Smith sermons from Beeson over the years. Uh, so I'm thankful for that. Um, so in terms of even uh, core commitments, this might be a good time. I'd love to hear some about uh, uh, what does it look like to practice the in-person, what, what makes Beeson distinct um, in terms of maybe class size and um, uh, uh, cohorts or, or, or getting getting students together? And even maybe, uh, you know, of course, I'd love to hear about the thing involved. I don't know if it's a day or a week. I can't remember, but I remember it happens. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Could it's a day. a little bit about that? It's a day when we suspend classes and, and focus in an especially intense way on fellowship and prayer uh, and doing life together and getting to know one another. Uh, 
Hmm. But, you know, Beeson is such a life together school that that's not uh, a terribly distinctive day for us. I mean, we have a seven to one faculty student ratio. Uh, most of our classes are small. Seven uh, the, to one. Yeah. Okay. The, the dean of the Divinity School knows the vast majority of students by name and has most of them over to his house and prays for hmm. them regularly. All the teachers know all of the students. Uh, we don't have massive classes where TAs do most of the work and relating with students. If you come to Beeson, uh, you study with us, your professors know you, they pray for you, um, they worship with you, they eat with you, they fellowship with you, they have fun with you, and very intentionally, we work together at discipleship and community. We try to get theologically and spiritually formed by living life together uh, in these ways. And frankly, there's just not many schools where that's the case anymore. And I don't know of another school at which um, people are as intentional uh, about this. I think if you went down the hall and interviewed my faculty about each of the students in their classes, they would tell you uh, a lot of fine-grained, detailed information uh, about the students and where they are, their life situation, their struggles, um, what they're asking prayer for. Uh, how they're practicing ministry in churches and other settings uh, in the region. And uh, we just think that's, that's how everybody ought to do it. That's the right way uh, to do theological education. I grant, of course, that we're able to do that and be principled about it because we have a decent endowment that enables us. You know, we're, we're not quite as um, desperate for money as, frankly, a lot of schools have to be these mm -hmm. days. But um, we thank the Lord for that, uh, and, and we, we use that money the right way, I would argue. That's great. You know, what you described is uh, just as, you know, that is right down the line of what uh, really is behind the, the formation of the Bonhoeffer House. I do keep praying for that, that endowment to come our way, you know, somehow too, so that we could really, you know, dial in. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, I love hearing that. I love to hear too, um, you know, as you think about, you look around where else maybe you see excellent theological training happening. Um, and, and, and maybe I'd love to hear one thing you did not mention about Beeson that will, will be, you know, will be unique, I think, for our listeners who aren't familiar is the um, oh the the ecumenical or, or uh, multi-denominational aspect of it? So I love if you wouldn't mind talking about that a little bit, and then and then anywhere else you see that you want to say, hey, take a look at that. There's something interesting happening there that I think is worth uh, paying attention to, paying attention to in terms of theological training. Yeah, well, there, I want to say there are a lot of really fine theological schools, so <laughs> I don't want to advocate Beeson at the expense of another place. I think anybody who's doing the kind of thing I'm describing or coming even close to the kind of thing I'm describing is, is one of my heroes and somebody I want to support as much as I possibly can. Um, one thing that doesn't make us unique, really, but that does distinguish us from denominational seminaries is that we've always been interdenominational. Um, we were founded with endowment money uh, from a Presbyterian layman named Ralph Waldo Beeson. We were founded in 1988. Uh, he was a Presbyterian uh, with Wesleyans in his family, living in a, a city that had more Baptists than any other denomination. And so he wanted to found at Samford University an interdenominational divinity school. So part of his endowment money uh, was designated 
for denominational chairs. So uh, we have an Anglican chair of divinity at Beeson, and we have a Baptist chair of divinity and a Methodist chair of divinity and a Presbyterian chair of divinity uh, to ensure that there's always going to be somebody who's, who's in his or her teaching ministry, keeping us connected with the churches of those uh, denominational traditions. And of course, that affects the way we teach as well. Uh, we've got about 20 different denominations represented in our community, a lot of different denominations represented on our faculty, and of course, some people are non-denominational as well. Uh, and so uh, you're going to get taught at Beeson Divinity School from different sorts of folks. Uh, you're going to learn about Methodism from Methodists. You're going to learn about, learn about Lutheranism from Lutherans. You're going to learn the priorities of Baptist churches from Baptists. And that makes it, I think, comparatively speaking, more difficult here just to um, score points against other denominations in the way we advocate for our own. Of course, we all want to advocate for our own opinions and our own preferences, and, and, and we do from time to time. But we have to do so in a very honest and open way. And generally speaking, you know, we agree to disagree on some of the finer points of um, Bible doctrine and Christian faith. We teach them. And if you're a Baptist, we'll teach you how to be a good Baptist. We'll teach you what Baptists believe and about Baptist polity and Baptist view of the ordinances and so on. Uh, but at the same time, you'll learn how to get along well and appreciate uh, the views of people who are in some of the other evangelical denominations. Yes, it's, it seems to me, and having spent some time on campus there, um, you can even see this in the, uh, you know, like if you, so I, I'm, I finished my master's degree from Southeastern. I'm doing a PhD at Southeastern. That's Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And when you walk around Southeastern, you see um, portraits, and there's really two things you'll notice, Baptist people and Great Commission stuff. So, you know, portraits of people from all over the world or like, you know, maps and globes and, or there's just Baptist people. And uh, it struck me walking into the chapel at Beeson, how um, unique it is to look around and there's just, you know, heroes of the faith from every possible tradition, um, you know, throughout history. And so that strikes me as unique in a good way that uh, there's a kind of in inculcating of, um, of uh, unity and essentials, and, and yet there's still being an opportunity to say, this is what makes us distinct, and, and, and let me appreciate, understand better what makes you distinct. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty great. Um, let's close. I got one more question. I didn't give it to you in advance. So this is a, this is a kind of a, a curveball. Um, so maybe just, if you could just for a minute, give some maybe like a, uh, I don't know, a pep talk for seminarians. We've got a lot in the Bonhoeffer house, of, a lot of guys and, and ladies who are um, pursuing a, a degree in seminary, uh, maybe to be a missionary, you know, an IMB missionary overseas or to be a church planter or a pastor. And uh, if you could just, you had them, they're listening, you know, what would you speak to them in terms of encouragement? Well, I'm jealous. That's what I'd say. I think uh, my seminary days were some of the richest uh, days of my entire life, uh, not just educationally, but spiritually. Of course, I had to, to work uh, for money to pay bills. So I wasn't, I wasn't only in classes and engaging in campus life. 
but I was in classes and in my studies and engaging in campus life to a greater extent when I was a student than I have been able to be, you know, since that time when there's uh, so many other responsibilities uh, that I need to care for. So I'd say uh, relish the opportunity the Lord's given you and uh, don't be overly practical about everything. Let yourself take some time uh, to get steeped in God's word and steeped in theological studies and steeped in church history. Give yourself some time to get to know people who are uh, possibly going to be lifelong friends of yours, who will partner with you in ministry, pray for you over the course of a long life of ministry, if that's what the Lord gives to you, uh, cheer for you, support you uh, in a wide variety of ways, and then get to know some folks who are different from you as well. Get a, get a good feel for what God's doing around the world. If, you're, if, if you have the privilege of being in a theological institution uh, where there are people from other countries, uh, people from uh, different uh, denominational backgrounds from you, get to know them so you can learn uh, how big and uh, broad and beautiful uh, is the body of Christ. And even then, when you leave seminary, and let's say you take a church somewhere, uh, and it's in a very particular denomination, and you're ministering mostly to people who at least theologically are like you, you can give them a better feel for, a better appreciation for, a better sense of wonder and love for the body of Christ around the world and the work of God, the advance of the gospel around the world. Um, and, and you'll make better disciples as a result. Amen. Thank you so much for that word of encouragement and uh, really for all the work you're doing at Beeson. I was recently on a, I was recently on a Zoom call with three church leaders in Birmingham, and we were talking about the Bonhoeffer House and, and really what it might look like to have something, you know, where we would support in Birmingham. And um, all three, I think, were graduates of Beeson, and it was a, I think it was a Presbyterian, a Methodist, and a, and a Baptist, um, which sounds like the beginning of a joke, but it was just, uh, it was just a really pleasant conversation where the way they talked about Beeson, I was just kind of like, well, it seems like you got it. I mean, we could help with some of the, you know, networking together, but, um, but life at Beeson sounds very similar to what we're trying to accomplish in our little uh, region of um, Baptist Virginia. And so excited for you and for the work at Beeson. Um, and so thankful for you joining here on the Hammer and Quill. And uh, we hope that uh, listeners were encouraged by this conversation. So thanks, Dr. Sweeney. Thanks, Jesse. Great to be with you. All right. Well, that was a really interesting and encouraging conversation with Doug Sweeney. I'm so thankful for his generosity of time. Actually, Doug, uh, you guys don't know this, but Doug, uh, it, you know, he he his hospitality was just uh, really impressive. The one time I actually spent like a weekend down at Beeson with him and on campus there with Reese Bazant. Reese and I went down for a campus visit, and Reese was uh, I think Reese must have been like giving a lecture on something. And I was Reese's, um, like attache. Like I carried his books, <laughs> his caddy. And I got to, but I got, but I got engrafted into all of the hospitality that oh. was shown to, to Reese. And it was really impressive. So, uh, thank you, Doug. And, uh, thank you for that conversation. So Holly, Michael, let's hear some takeaways. The, I'm going to ask you to give some takeaways on this conversation and, or 
on this mini series on theological training? I think something that that Doug spoke so well on and that a lot of our other guests have mentioned too is the importance of community when it comes to theological training and growth in our faith even um, and how you know the last few years of the pandemic have sort of allowed us a bit of um, just a different just a, an option to not be together yeah. um, and instead of taking advantage of that leaning more into community rather than um, taking sort of the easier way in many circumstances. You know, there's such good, like Doug said, there's such good reason for virtual education and virtual church in certain circumstances and stuff. But um, yeah, how we talked about, you know, in the Bible, the Lord's Supper, baptism, being in community, worshiping and teaching and preaching and, and all of that. Um, to take that seriously. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he mentioned, uh, you know, like kind of getting maybe lazy or complacent with now we have these delivery methods that don't require embodied presence. Uh, that's not a good reason to do it just cause we can. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I appreciate Hollywood when he, he talked about how, um, there are certain benefits of this, right. You know, now if someone's sick, yeah, they have a, a trustworthy delivery method for, the lecture through zoom or recording. Um, but that doesn't mean that we should give up on all these things that you just can't do alone through a screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, It seems like a lot of our guests have talked about the, the limitations of technology as it pertains to theological training that it's provided many avenues, um, for training, but it has its drawbacks and its limitations. One thing switching gears a little bit that I've, uh, appreciated. And I feel like this has been throughout a handful of our guests is, um, people talking about the intention and, and even maybe the slowness that, mm, that yeah. theological training requires that, um, when you are entering into it, whether you're a student or someone who's, who's training others, um, it's something that really takes time um, and takes a lot of focused intention and, and purpose behind what you're doing. Um, I remember Dr. Reese Bazant talking about that, um, as well as, uh, Pam. That's right. When we got to interview Pam talking about just the, the importance of, of time, uh, whether it's you as a teacher studying and, and knowing, um, knowing what you're talking about, knowing the Lord, um, or, or a student taking the time to really uh, dive in and, and, and soak up uh, not just the information, but um, the, the character formation uh, that, that comes along with theological training. Um, so I really, I, I really appreciated that out of the series. I have too, yeah. You know, um, we, want, we want to be, we want the information to be transferred super quick so we can get out there and, and just get going. And, and uh, I think that's right as far as some, something to learn from the series and as we think about you know, the direction of the Bonhoeffer House. So we've always been about the slow cooker, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the long-term apprenticeship and formation. Uh, but this has been a good reminder. Yeah, I think about, um, this is, I wasn't planning on saying this, but uh, you remember in Karate Kid? With Mr. Miyagi? No. <laughs> <laughs> you 
know, Mr. Miyagi's <laughs> teaching Daniel how to. Well, he's not. He doesn't know. He's he's just painting the fence. Yeah. Waxing the car. Yep. And he's like, I don't get it. You know, I want to go out there and kick somebody. Developing that muscle memory, right? You know, the, the theological training requires time just spent building up muscle memory. Well, you can find more. We're going to post some in the show notes how to find more information about Beeson Divinity School, Doug Sweeney, and uh, the work that they're doing down there. And, and as we close this mini-series on the future of theological training, there are so many um, challenges ahead, right? That These have been identified uh, by many of our guests. Challenges re- re- related to um, decreasing enrollment and the pressures that that puts on seminaries and training institutions who have to pay people salary. And in order to pay people salary, they've got to figure out how do we get more enrollment? How do we get more, how do we, uh, you know, kind of fill the gaps as the gaps are opening up? And that increases the pressure to lower the product, right? To say, well, let's distribute, you know, this sort of online class to a million different people. And they'll, anyway, it, it, it kind of lowers the, um, the, the, the whole uh, level of rigor and, um, and really of what you're getting for your time and your energy. Uh, there are many other challenges, challenges related to training women, challenges related to um, uh, our, our world being more fragmented and divided by um, forces, uh, um, internal, external forces that make it harder and harder to have a consensus and train people in one place where people are coming with far radical different ideas of uh of what they should be getting out of that degree. So there are so many challenges, but the future I think is still exciting. Mm. And for us at the Bonhoeffer house, some of the things that we want to press into in the future, as we think about theological training, we want to think about bringing the church and seminary back together. This is something that Doug talked about, right? That many of our guests have talked about. Seminary doesn't exist to replace the church. And as Doug mentioned, so many churches are either doing one of two things often. They're either sending people off and saying, hey, go get your thing out there, your degree, come back later or go somewhere else later. Uh, or they're just saying, what, whatever that is happening over there in seminary land is irrelevant to what we need here. We need a leader. We need somebody with a business degree. We need somebody who can you know, cast vision and get, get, get people to sit in the pews, so to speak. And so what we want to say is, no, neither of these things are good. Well, there's a better way than just thinking I've got to send someone off or um, or I need to bypass that to get someone who can fill the pews. Uh, we want to say, now let's bring the church and seminary back together again. Uh, we're so thankful for our partnership with Southeastern, who has that same vision to bring the church and seminary back together mm-hmm. again, to serve the local church uh, through their equip centers and even just really, really with their heart from, from Dr. Aiken down. Um, and throughout to uh, exist in partnership with the local church, not uh, competition too. Yeah. So, man, it, you know, and, and I think by doing that, we can maintain a high level of academic rigor, a high level of training, uh, because we're not. Yeah, we we want in the Bonhoeffer House not to say, "Hey, just take whatever online class you can get anywhere else," and then we'll we'll do s- different stuff here. We're saying no. Let's do our classes that are accredited, that are excellent, that are time-tested, and but we'll do them in concert with the local church. So not only are we doing theological training, but I think this is important because it, it sets the, the course for our church leaders in the future to be doing theology from and for the local church. Yeah. 
You know, um, this is one thing that I think is so important, but missed is like these guys that are like writing theology. I'm pointing to my, <laughs> to my, uh, books behind my wall of books, my wall of books that I use to validate myself. Uh, look at all these books. Uh, How many, what percentage have you read? Um, you know, percentage, that's a, that's a hard answer for me to give Holly. Um, so in a lot ter- of, you can say a lot. In terms of how many of these books have I read? Some of them. Okay. A very high percentage. Great. You, you know, most of these resource books, you don't you don't like open up theological dictionary of the Old Testament and and start with speak for yourself a and work your way through it. <laughs> Taking that one home with me. <laughs> you can borrow it. Uh, but a lot of the writing, theological writing, uh, is done in the academy, mm. and I think I think if we're forming future leaders in and for the church, if we're doing theological training in and for the church, we're going to be able to produce, uh, form men and women who can, who can think theologically, write theologically, do theology in and for and from the local church. So Mm, I think that's important, right? Mm. So like when, when I'm, when I'm thinking about theological things, if I'm thinking about writing something or preaching something or, uh, or teaching in a certain way, my theology is, it's coming out of actual people, actual circumstances, actual situations. I'm not, I don't have to write, we don't have to write. And Bonhoeffer House graduates and students don't have to write for other theologians and other academic institutions. Mm. We're writing for our local church Mm. or our local churches that are networked together. I think that's really an important thing that we can offer by situating our training in the local church. So, you know, we, we talk about our mentoring being, um, intentional, uh, integrative, integrating our mentees, our apprentices, and our residents into the Bonhoeffer House, into local churches, into community, and uh, and inductive. And that's really what I'm getting at here, that yeah. the idea that we're starting with the problem, we're starting with the situation, with the people, with the church, and then we're working it out from there. I think mm-hmm. that's... yeah. That's unique. So we've got those three eyes for our mentoring. I'm adding a fourth eye from Ooh. this series. Oh. <laughs> it works. I mean, we're we're moving past we the three number. Guides. No, no, no. We're not going to just guys. <laughs> uh, the fourth is incarnational. Right? Mm. Doug was Doug yeah. was mentioning the incarnation yes. that that yeah. um, we don't get a virtual savior. Yeah. We don't have a virtual church. We don't have a virtual family. It's all. This is all incarnational. This is yeah. all in the flesh, um, and so. So I think that's the the last thing I'll say about the future of theological training is that we want to we want to uh, follow the model of God Himself and sending His Son, who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but took on the form of a man, even the form of a servant. Mm. Uh, and so we can do that in in our theological training, right? We get to be in physical bodily presence with one another because um, you can sit and re- I mean you can yeah. do this on a screen, you could do it with a book. Of, even before there was the internet, there were books. And so, so anybody could sit down with their, you know, John Calvin's Institutes alone in their cabin and learn theology, get the comprehension, get the head right. Uh, but you can't get the heart in the hands. And that's what we want to be about, head, heart, and hands. Mm. You can't get the heart in the hands without people, without relationships, without situating that comprehension within, you know, having to work it out yeah. with within a church, within a cohort of other people. And so head, heart, and hands, incarnational, the future theological training is bright, even though it is challenging. Uh, you know, there's, there's some light piercing through those dark clouds. Mm. And I'm excited to be part of it with the Bonhoeffer House. Yes. 
and I'm excited to finish out this season two and look ahead to season three. Let's go. We got season three. Listen, <laughs> come so on. We're going to close down season two. We're going to take a little break, get our head on for season three, and then we're going to come back to you, our friendos, with season three, which is going to be all about cultural engagement. So this will be, you know, a, a, a method for cultural engagement. We'll look at particular things within that. We'll look at uh, things like um, what, how should we be thinking about politics? How should we be thinking about um, human sexuality? How should we engage with our neighbors? What, what should our, you know, how, how, do, how do we think about the church and culture? Are we trying to just basically say, hey, let's, let's back out of this and do our own thing? Or do we need to say, no, go into the world, get out of the world? Uh, we'll look at all of that. So, so let me ask you guys as we close out this episode and this season, what are you guys looking forward to with season three? Cultural engagement. I'm just, I'm excited for these conversations. I think they're conversations that are happening already. And uh, yeah, it feels like a privilege to be able to talk about them with you guys and with our guests. And, um, you know, I, I'm excited this fall, our women's ministry at our church, Valley Bible Church is having a, um, a women's conference uh, life outside the garden talking about discernment and Hannah Anderson is coming to speak at it. Um, and our friend Hannah knows oh, a little man. bit about cultural engagement. <laughs> can uh, non VBC people go to that? If you pay, if you pay the money, you can yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. We can even, I'm Emily. sure. I'm sure Emily, you can go. Yeah, yeah. Emily, come with yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, Michael, you, you can't go. <laughs> you are not. Inv- I was wondering, I was like, um, sorry, Michael. No, Emily brought it up. Emily yeah. was like, that sounds amazing. No, yes, if, yeah, if you're listening yes. and you're not a member of Valley Bible church and you're a woman, you can go. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. We'll, I we'll, think we're going to open it up to BBC first and then open it up beyond there. Oh yeah. That's what Hannah I meant. Anderson is a, you're going to want to come to this. What is it? Probably like 20 bucks or something. I, I We have a meeting tonight. So okay. I'll, okay. I'll tell, it's I'll somewhere between <laughs> 20 and a hundred. No, not that much. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, it just, I, um, I'm going to start her book. All that's good. I haven't mm-hmm. read it yet, but all of this just sort of comes together in mm-hmm. my brain and I'm just excited. I feel like the Lord is, um, sort of propelling that conversation in my brain and in my soul. And so, that's good. This this series will go along with that. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to kind of get the chance to do what you were just talking about. Like we we are all uh, mm. yeah. in in the church, care deeply about uh, the churches that we're a part of, um, and and leading and discipling others. And so uh, I'm excited to just get the chance to kind of theologically think and process yeah. together about um, like like Holly was saying about these topics that. Uh, really matter to people that that yeah. we have real people who are coming and asking questions about these things, um, wanting to know how should I think about this? How can I follow Jesus well um, in this in this area? Uh, and so, look forward sca- to that. You guys scared of anything? Oh yeah, all the things. <laughs> what are you scared of? All people of are these be, conversations. People are going to be mad. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I hope not. What Maybe. are we what are we gonna say? What, what if we, we say, say the wrong thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if we do it wrong? People are gonna find us out. <laughs> Don't be afraid, friends. <laughs> Don't be afraid. We are gonna say the wrong thing sometimes. Jesse. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna say the wrong thing sometimes and people might get mad, but uh we're just gonna do our best. That's all we can do, you know. You know, so 
actually in season three, you know, the hammer quill kind of follows suit with the Bonhoeffer house and it really kind of follows suit with my life, which is a bit eclectic. You know, we yeah. season one, we were kind of just interviewing people talking about vocation. You know, yep. what, what do you do? And, and how do you do it in a way that glorifies God? And season two, we looked at a couple of these mini series craftsmanship and the future theological training season three, uh, it's really going to be a lot of content driven. I've, I've been writing on this. I'm going to sort of almost like each one of our episodes will be like a chapter of something that I've, I've been working on. Mm. We'll have a couple of guests. I think, um, I don't want to mention names in case they say no, but uh, <laughs> we haven't asked them, but we hope they will say yes. But we, we do hope we'll have a couple of guests might maybe some repeat guests from season one, yeah. uh, and season two. And so, uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited to just kind of lay out for for you, our friends and our listeners, lay out for the Bonhoeffer House kind of internally for those of us who are part of the, the organization. And then those of you outside who are uh, maybe supporting us. Friendos. 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 Uh, a, a model, a method for engaging culture that we think is is um, holistic. Uh, we think, I think, honors Christ as king and still allows for some flexibility in how to respond to kind of particularities along the way. So I'm excited about season three. Mm. We're, we're introducing at least one new segment. Mm. Come on, tell us about it, Jesse. <laughs> at least one new segment. Tell us about it, Grandpa. <laughs> we're going to introduce one new segment called Get Off My Lawn, <laughs> where I am just going to rant about something. Um, something that bothers me, I think primarily within evangelicalism, whatever mm. that is, mm. Um. You know, so yeah, I've got some things. I've been writing down things that really tick me off. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really ticked off about that. I'm just, I'm really, write it down. <laughs> just really too hard. <laughs> so whenever I get angry about things that are within my own sort of yeah. world, get off my realm, theological lawn. Yeah, I'm just writing them down. I'm taking <laughs> notes, and then and then and then I'll just rant. Yeah, I I actually workshopped this a little bit with Jenny, and she's like, "Do not do this." <laughs> Did she know? Did she know that we were going to be here too? Yeah, we'll I was like, help. yeah, but Holly and Michael will be there. She's like, they're just going to provoke you. <laughs> she might. I be said, right. well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But we also have editing powers. We're not live. Yeah. So right. if I really go off the rails, yeah. Michael can cut it. <laughs> uh, we don't so, know. We might. We can't promise you that "Get Off My Lawn" will be featured every week. <laughs> yeah, we might have to cut it totally. I'm going to lose sleep over Jesse's responses sometimes because of my conflict aversion. <laughs> yeah, that's part of what is exciting to me is just, you know, like Holly is going to have a really hard I'm time. I'm going to have, I'm going to be red in the face the entire time. Uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> people are going to be They're going to be sad. Should season three, should we re- revive the YouTube <laughs> attempt? And no. Maybe put a camera on Holly. Uh, <laughs> the Holly cam? <laughs> It's just a we lot. We could put like a little, like, you know, the little, like, uh, uh, temperature meters yeah. where, like, if you're raising money and it goes up, yeah. we could have that, but it's just for Holly's embarrassment. Yeah. Level. Yeah. Oh, you can see it going up. Yeah. Listeners, if you could see me half the time, I just shake my head here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's subscribe losers. on the YouTube. <laughs> the fake YouTube. On the YouTube. So, uh, yeah, we, we may we may introduce a couple of other new segments. We also hope to have better timing on our release schedule for you guys who are out there listening. Mm. I get requests all the time like, hey, um, when's the next episode coming yeah. out? 
one I day. always say, ask Jesse. <laughs> one day, yeah, that, and then they, that's, that's, why I, that's why they keep asking me. You're Stop the boss. Telling them that. You're the boss. Uh, so we're looking forward to season three, and we thank you guys for tuning in to this season. Thank you for tuning in to the Hammer and Quill season two, episode 11, a conversation with Doug Sweeney about the future of theological training. And friendos, if you haven't already, subscribe or follow the Hammer and Quill in your favorite podcast app. Write us a quick review, letting us know and others know how we're doing. Uh, give us some stars, many stars on whatever you are listening to us on. If you have any questions or ideas for future podcasts, please write in at info at bonhofferhouse.com. Until next season. Peace. 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 I got more fire in my belly than not to. I'm happy as a clam and I think you forgot to. Tell me where my enemies are, cause when I look around and know what to be found, I guess they're counting down every single hour to the minute to the second. They have me second guessing if they even present. If they ever step up to me, I'ma give them all a gift. I'll say sorry in advance and I'll go and plead the fifth. And I don't need a fifth to hit the top of your wish list. Every time I pivot, I'ma leave your ankles twisted. Listen, I'm not feeling listless. This, that bliss, bliss I don't feel indifferent Already left the runway And I barely had assistance Went to my back Let the jokers react And the higher powers laughing with me They don't know what happened Up so high that your size is a fraction And what goes up must come down But now I'm really feeling like that paradigm shifted The feeling is addictive Anti-gravity, I pray it's never lifted And when I hit the top It takes my booty that you're kissing Listen, skip the clips I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch Skip the clips, I'm on a list Everything is going on without a hitch Skip the clips, I'm on a list Everything is going on without a hitch